HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017. That's right, it's the first week of May and it's time for some flower power and more. So we've got some great guests with us today at Heritage Radio Network. That was a pretty good intro, right? Flower power. Beautiful. <laughs> great job, Hillary. She loved that. All right. <laughs> Hillary Fasten. And I'd like to welcome to the show our special guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jen Maslenka. I am the GM at the Spring Lounge. In New York City. Look at that. Talking about New York City beer bars today. Uh, Kirk Struble from uh, 4th Avenue Pub et al. Bobby Gagnon from The Gate in Park Slope, Brooklyn. All right. Check us out, Instagram, at beer underscore sessions and Twitter. So this is the show about beer bars. I mean, originally we were going to do this and there was a snowstorm. Was it in in March? Yeah, in March. I, think, I think we were going to do it in either late February or early March when that big blizzard came. It was right around the time that, of the Spring Lounge 20th anniversary. Yeah, it was right Just prior the to, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of got, it was inspired by what? The idea that you, Spring Lounge has been over for 20 years. Yeah, we just, uh, well, Spring Lounge has been around for a very long time, way more than 20 years, but the current iteration is just celebrated its 20th anniversary, which Bobby is a part of the founding trio of owners, along with Brian and Dave. Um, and the the Blind Tiger, our other sister bar, celebrated 20 years last year. The Gate, Bobby's Bar, is celebrating 20 years. About three uh, weeks. 20 and three weeks. Yeah. So that was something worth celebrating, we felt like. You know, places, every day in New York, you see places closed that were your favorite places or the places that your parents talked about going to and, you know, that were filled with nostalgia and they're just not here anymore. And so the idea that we've all made it 20 years, knock on wood, many, many I feel like also the stark, what we're talking about is the stark difference between what New York City, the New York City beer scene was like in 96, 97 and, you know, compared to now, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, uh, that sort of early pioneering few bars around here, a few breweries around, and now we're at 5,500-ish you know, in the country. And it's, yeah. it's kind of remarkable. Kind of remarkable that we're here yeah. 20 years in New York City, but also kind of remarkable what's happened yeah. in craft beer. Jen, why did you invite Kirk Struble? Because I like hanging out with him, and he's got a good he's mustache. He's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> mustache for radio. Um, also because, well, Kirk is, one of, Kirk is one of my favorite bars in New York City. Fourth Avenue Pub is just definitely my go-to for hanging out. And um, and him and his partners run so many great craft beer bars in New York City, and they've been doing it. They were sort of that second wave of places, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the first wave was places like TBA, Mugs, Jimmy's, Blind Tiger, Spring Lounge, et cetera. You know, Kirk 
came along not, I mean, 4th Ave just celebrated 10, 10 years. 10 years, yeah, October uh, so. celebrated 10 years. So that was, uh, you know, a unique milestone for us. It was, we were very happy to make it. You know, there were a lot of struggles, obviously. I'm sure you, you guys can speak to the things that you've had to go through, you know, over 20 years, which is crazy. Um, hopefully we could uh, make it to that point. But it's uh, every day is like, you know, there's, a, there's always something. But, and uh, just to chime in on, on Kirk and 4th Avenue Pub, when Kirk arrived on the scene, we were just saying this before we went on air, um, I had been in business about 10 years to that point, and I think he's, he's just crossed 10 or you're mm-hmm, on, your way, mm-hmm. on your way to 11. Yep. And uh, I went down to check out his bar, and it was that first feeling like, even though he's, he's fairly distant, you know, as, as the Brooklyn distances are measured right. from where I am, but I was like, okay, here we go. You know, here comes the craft beer bars here comes some more you know it's a it's a foot traffic thing in new york it's like the more the merrier you got a few places open if you got people moving around you're selling more beer and that's you know when kirk showed up with with a proper beer list with a with a a, a pub environment it was mm-hmm. like okay here we go and then we became friends a couple of years after he opened yeah yeah when he finally came out from the cellar <laughs> <laughs> where well, i spend most of my time well, ask a couple of questions so i know I, I read a little bit about your backgrounds and you've all talked about what it's like, you know, running a bar. It's, it's not as glamorous as people think. I mean, how do, how do most people think your life is as a bar, bar owner or manager? Lifestyles of the rich and famous, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all night it's, long. It's, a, it's a superintendent position, I mean, yeah. for all of us. And it's, you know, I mean, the service business is, you know, from, for the most part, it's viewed as like a party every night. And it's just, you know, it's all fun and games and, and confetti. And it's hard work. And it's, you know... I, 20 years in, I still love it. I mean, it's 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 getting the, it's getting the game ready for the customer that, mm-hmm. that still makes so us I, go. I can't just sit on at the bar and drink for free. Well, you can yeah. do that you on occasion. Yeah. You know, when things are running well and there's not you know plumbing issues and <laughs> <laughs> craft that? issues. And what is that? And a lot of people see us too when we're hosting events, which is we carve out that time to be able to just be upstairs mm-hmm. playing host, right. where we're just drinking and having a good time. Yep. They don't see that an hour before that we were wrestling with kegs in the walk-in or plunging the toilet, yeah. right. you know, at the same time. And in service at any given moment, you know, something ha- a fire starts, yeah. you know, not a literal fire, but you know, when we put out fires, that's what we do for a living. You know, it's it, it and then you get pulled away from the party and you're back to work. I remember before I met Bobby actually going to the gate and uh, you know, just being there and, you know, kind of viewing what was going on, what have you, and I saw Bobby bussing tables and I go, that's the guy that owns this place. And you could tell because that, you know, that's what you're, that's what you end up doing. And you're always, you know, people, I, I can't have, I, well, I can have fun in my own bar, but very frequently I'm just like looking around to see yeah. what's wrong. Oh, this person needs this bust or that person needs a drink. And you know, you're, you know, it's just kind of a, uh, there's a lot going on all the time. So you're, you know, I'm always trying to be on top of, you know, the surrounding. So it just reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, that guy over there, he's, he's probably the owner. And yeah. that is, and that's a hundred percent of the reason why these bars that we're talking about today are great bars, because mm-hmm. you've got people on site mm-hmm. from the owners on down to the staff who know that it's, it's about comfort. It's a, you know, it's a bar. I mean, you need people to get in there and get comfortable and sit in there and enjoy the four walls. You know, New Yorkers need to get out of their houses, take a little walk, sit down, have a proper beer, and and we make that we we provide that comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, let's pop a beer. What do, what do you want to do first, Kirk? Did you bring an industrial arts? Yeah, I brought a couple from industrial arts. I have um, this one, the Power Tools uh, from uh, from Chief Jeff O'Neill. God bless him. That's a good sound. Um, that was a nice sound effect I did. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you guys in the studio, and thank you because Jenna was like, "Yeah, it's twentieth twenty year of Spring Lounge," but you were like, "Oh, I'm not." I wasn't there like in the beginning, so it shouldn't really be talking about it. But yeah. you kind of have to talk about it. Because, I mean, what, Bobby, what you're saying is, remember you mentioned, tell us about the, when you guys first started back then. What were the other beer bars? Uh, and what, were you guys, what were you guys selling? You know, and, and were people ready for it? Well, in, I'll go back to when I met Dave Broderick and Brian Delaney. It was uh, down in Tribeca. I was working at Walker's down in Tribeca. And then I moved over to, I and I met that. Dave who was working over at River Run. Uh, and we we just started talking about beer, and Brian Delaney was a rep, a beer rep at that time, and uh, Dave had convinced uh, the guys down at River Run to add a few lines and start introducing you know some of the craft beer that was available, which then came from the Brooklyn Brewery, Craft Brewers Guild. 
and that just steamrolled into you know Dave had this blind tiger thing and he you know he went full steam ahead opened the place I was bartending there and we were like off and running you know uh, those guys went in and scouted the location for the spring lounge and then the location for the gate came up based on Brian sitting at a red light at 5th Avenue and 3rd Street and going hmm for lease <laughs> you know and made a couple phone calls and so it, it, it all went hot and heavy and to be honest, it was a uh, out in Brooklyn. It was certainly an outpost kind of mentality. The only thing out there when I got out there was Sparky's, over in uh, Carroll Gardens, Waterfront Ale House, on uh, on Atlantic Avenue, which then moved to another location, but they were on the opposite side. And then uh, uh, the Park Slope Ale House, which was a brewery at that time. Mm. So there really wasn't. Nobody really knew what we were doing when we got there, but we opened. It took us about a year and a half, just about two years, for people to start realizing what we were about, and uh, and we never looked back. Once we got to the end of that second year, we opened up the outdoor seating. We have a nice outdoor seating area, and never looked back. So that's it. Well, cheers to 1997. That was a cool time, but the DBA was open, Blind Tiger, Spring Lounge was opening, the gate was opening. Even uh, John Blusey and the Heartland Brewery had, had opened up by then, too. So there must have been something cool going on then. For you, Kirk, you know, what, what inspired you, you know, when you were first starting out? How did you end up opening your first well, beer bar? When I first moved here, um, my very first job, first and only job, was at the uh, Westside Brewing Company, which is on uh, 76 in Amsterdam, which is now Amsterdam Ale House, which is also in our uh, stable of, of, uh, of bars that we own. So I was bartending there and just kind of, uh, it was the last vestiges of the, of the brewing operation there and Afterwards, the, most of the beer came out of uh, the Chelsea Brewing Company. But long story short, we decided to um, expand the tap list. Um, they put in some new, uh, you know, draft towers. And I had always been, you know, kind of into craft beers. But you know, back back then they were called microbrews. <laughs> Which it still makes sense to a lot of people. Of yeah, <laughs> to call them microbrews, doesn't it? And. Uh, so yeah, so I was doing the the beer buying there, and I had worked uh, with a, a guy bartending um, who ended up being my partner, Jacob. And he said, "Hey, I have a place in in Brooklyn that I want to open a bar. Do you have any money?" And uh, <laughs> I, had saved, I had saved some money, so I was like, "Yeah, let's let's make it happen." So that was basically how it uh, how it how it went. And I'd always been into craft beer, so I knew that with our spot, that's what I would want to do is you know have a you know, 27 draft lines, you know, way too many now, but um, I'd rather do m- much less, you know, more curated. But certainly it's it's what it was back then. It's like the more you had, the better. Then you had to have mm-hmm. cask. Then you had to have, you know, so it was just, um, so now I've kind of gotten myself in trouble, and I think Bobby probably is the same situation. With well, the funny drafts. thing is, is you could you could also at the same time say if I doubled my draft lines, you know, that I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't keep all the brewers happy. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. There's just so much of it out there with, self, yep. with guys who are self-distributing, and you, you know, there's just always a knock on the door. I'm opening up a brewery over here in such and such a neighborhood or such and such a town, and you know, here's a sample. There's plenty of stuff out there now. Yeah, uh, coming from the opposite end where I only have 12 lines, <laughs> it's, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily beg for more. 16 would be okay. Right. I wouldn't want to go more than oh, that. Oh yeah, I think but, that's a good sweet spot. You know, but I just, it's very hard to make everyone happy. I feel yeah. like I'm constantly apologizing. Just have to make yourself happy, Jen. Don't worry about <laughs> everyone else. How, how do you handle it, Jen? So, I mean, there's, you know, I know from wine. There was 30 wine distributors in 20 years ago. Now there's 300 in New mm-hmm. York City. You know, there's so many self, like you're saying, so many self distributors and, and, mm-hmm. and distributors, whatever. How do you do it? You're, you're purchasing, you know, a, a popular bar, mm-hmm. 12 lines of beer. How um, do you do it every week? I, a couple things. Number one, I, I really pay attention to what the actual customers want because they're the ones buying the beer. Mm-hmm. So if I bring in a brewery that, even if all the beer geeks are clamoring over it and everyone is talking about it and whatever, and it sits on my lines and it's not moving well, I'm not going to bring that beer back. Even if in theory it's a, you know, it it looks good to have it on my list. I'm not going to have it if my people aren't enjoying it, you know, whereas I've had other breweries that I've just, you know, for example, Cambridge brewery, I, I put on their flower child IPA. From from Massachusetts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it sold, I couldn't believe how fast it sold. And, you know, it's, it, it's not a very well-known brewery. Yeah. 
um, especially at a bar like mine that doesn't get all the people that necessarily clamor for the specialty stuff, mm-hmm. um, it flew out the door. And now they get a regular spot on my line. I think that's mm. also part of the excitement that's still, you know, that's the thing about it is this this far into it, it's still exciting. Mm-hmm. That you, you know, there's still surprises, there's still stuff out there that, you know, maybe you weren't, you were looking at it and eh, maybe, maybe not. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, that's your permanent line or your semi-permanent line. Yeah. You know. And now you guys are my panel of experts. So Ooh, we're tasting a, one of our favorite brewers, Jeff O'Neill, Industrial Arts, Power Tools. Honestly, what, what do you think of this IPA? It's great. I, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think what Jeff does is uh, Jeff, Jeff has just an expert uh it, his stuff it, it 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 reeks of expert he just mm-hmm. he has incredible balance he's his this particular ipa it's not a punch in the face ipa it certainly has a, a nice solid hop bite but it, it 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 pushes into into malt enough where it, i don't know it's it's for, for me it's balance mm-hmm. especially in this ipa centric situation we're in now in this business and this this one in particular it's it's crushable for what is it seven percent ish yeah it's yeah, six, six and a half yeah. or something yeah what i can't what i dig about it is it doesn't look like orange juice like right. which are most <laughs> right. of the ipas are coming out the new england style you know kind of thing yeah um there's a lot of backlash going on now with the, with, I mean, the, with the yeah. unfiltered and the it's, yeah and the oj i actually just yeah. when i was placing orders today i looked at a at, at an IPA that I had never poured before, and I was like, "Oh, which I what what's that IPA like?" And I, I googled it to read some of the specs, and I saw like super juicy, unfiltered, mm. and I was like, "Nope, never yeah. mind," you know. And not, I just it, I feel like that time has passed, and the customers it has, are but kind at the same time, there are brewers well. out there that are are still you know they're still kicking it with that style. But I oh, think sure. there's, there, it, the, mm. the problem now, I think in the in the business is that there's a again with the IPA centered thing. There's a piling on kind of a thing, and 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 everybody's just kind of jumping on to the, yeah. the New England style chasing, or whatever the next thing is going to be. Oh sure. And you're going to have a lot of variations on the theme. You could say you that know. about any style, though. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many breweries still walk in the door. Well, you know, because mm-hmm. the same thing right. happens to you, where they're like, "Have you tried my new boysenberry Berliner Weiss?" Right. Like right. that was the trend two right. years ago. Goza. Right. Yeah, or another fruit goza, or another like well, tropical flavored pale ale with you know blood orange or whatever. That's awesome. We're on a Sorry. great start here. <laughs> no, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, this is Chef Eric from Roberta's Radio. I love eating pizza for every meal, but sometimes I've got to branch out. Bob's Red Mill makes some stellar breakfast foods. Hey, Eric, the food in your big, bright, beautiful breakfast bowl looks delicious. Thanks. It's muesli. Muesli? Nah, muesli. It's like raw granola. You should try it. Uh, I don't know. My rich daddy buys me quail eggs and foie gras for breakfast every morning. Well, let me hip you on to something else. Did you know Bob's Red Mill is the flagship sponsor of Heritage Radio Network? I bet you if we call Bob himself, he can convince you. Hi, Bob here. Wait, is this the man from the muesli package? Yes, I'm Bob Moore. How can I help you? Uh, hey there, Bob. This is Eric from Heritage Radio Network, and I'm here with Mike, who I'm trying to convince to try muesli. Oh, I love muesli. Muesli such an easy way to start the day. I can take a bag of muesli and munch on it in my car and get full whole grain nutrition for everything I need for at least half the day. That is incredible. But what the heck is in the muesli anyway? It has rolled oats, uh, rolled wheat, rolled barley, rolled triticale, and, uh, of course, our dried fruits and the seeds that are so important to our health. It's one of my very, very favorites. After Bob's glowing recommendation, you going to try it? Like they say, try it. You'll like it. All right. Let me at that muesli. By the way, you can find more delicious whole grain breakfast ideas at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. I'll check that out. I'll surf over there. Surf on over, dude. Hey, welcome back. Hey, guys, have you had Rob Bob's Red Mill muesli lately? That's a pretty interesting ad. I have, actually. Just found you it. Just chew breakfast. on it in the car and you're driving to work. I eat it for breakfast with really? milk and, and blueberries. Wow. Well, that's cool. Are you serious? Just learn something. Wow. But, you know, so, Kurt, your idea was that, that Jen should, what, 
do her beer her, order on the on place the her air? beer order on yeah, I, just I think she I, just did. This is inside the life of a real, you know. I did. I just texted beer my beer rack a picture manager. of the the handwritten order that I posted up. That's exciting radio right there. That's exciting radio. <laughs> so what do you say, Bobby? Should she do it? I think All she's right. already done it. It's her, yeah, it's not that exciting. You can read it out loud for us? It's really? It's really You mean good. you posted it? But you didn't read it out loud. I want you to read it out loud. Actually, one of the things I wanted to comment on, if she's reaching for her order real quick, is she was talking uh, before the break about catering to the crowd, which is really what's changed for us in the the New York City beer scene, where we were just trying to get anything we can get our hands on and putting it out there. Yeah. And hoping that people Uh were going to go for it. And, you know, people were certainly willing to experiment, and that's what turned us into who we are. But now... With uh, you know the sours we were talking about the IPAs, it's like people are coming in much more educated than they ever have. Yeah. Uh, those first five eight years that we were there, it was like, oh here here's this. Let me tell you a little something about this. Mm-hmm. And now more they come education. in, they come in kind of knowing what they're what they're what even what direction they're looking in. You yeah. Know, maybe not specifically what they're looking for, but what direction. They're but going. Jen, for a while, you know, like Spring Lodge didn't get until last year when. Kirk started a campaign and made us realize how great of a beer bar you were. That what a every, campaign everyone that was, was standing with Spring Lounge. Standing with Spring Lounge. <laughs> you open at 8 a.m. For, for people getting off shifts. That's right. That's but you right. have to read your order to us. Come on. All right. I'll just give you the basic rundown. It's so you're ordering beer yeah. for tomorrow or the next day? It'll come in tomorrow. Wow. This is late for... Wow, wow. Union beer, you can. Wow, who's her rep? Who do you know? <laughs> Union wow, beer, you wow. can text until 530. Boy. Some of the other ones, not so much. Um, <laughs> uh, I got some Downey cider that has gone really well. Yeah. We recently this year swapped yeah. out. Solid, solid yep. cider. We swapped out our cream ale line for a cider line because customers were asking for cider. And do you so. do the ro- do you rotate in the seasonal stuff on that line too, or do you keep it just the Down East, the, like just, the original blend? I've just been doing Down East. I just recently added um, Citizen Cider cans mm-hmm. to my lineup, and so I'm thinking about rotating some of their seasonal stuff in yep. the can for a little yeah. more variety. And yeah. also, they're two totally different. Types of cider. Yeah, I think they do. Uh, I think they do four or five seasonals. I think yeah, they do. They do. You know, four strict seasonals and, and add some more stuff. So anyway, so uh, Greenport Harbor Porter, Black Duck Porter, which the only other time I was on the show, I stated as being one of my favorite beers of all time. Ordered that one. Porters are a good. <laughs> That's uh, a good one. They're, it's good warm weather. State. Everyone's high fiving. It's good warm weather dark beer. Uh, Bell's Oberon. Because yeah. people actually come in just simply requesting bells over yeah, on without even looking. That is great this time of year. Yvonne sends all of them in. Yeah. <laughs> Hands out business cards. Exactly. First time you ever had bells over on? At the brewery At in Kalamazoo. And for us, it was uh, the first year they were here after, right after the launch. They launched in February. The Oberon came out like a month later. Hmm. Yeah. I'd never had it before. Yeah, I'd never had any bells before. Really? They launched in February. Yeah. Wow. It's good stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Keep going. This is good. That's oh. That's you all you ordered. That's it. Two cases. No, I ordered some more. I mean, the rest are. It's all cases. It's our standard lineup of Duval, Orval, Narragansett, Allagash White, Bell's Two Hearted, Dale's Pale Ale. But so you really do move a lot of like craft beer. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah. We we you know we definitely are not craft exclusive. I sell a fair amount of PBR and Guinness, and I am never mad at a good find of Guinness. Never will be. But yeah, yeah. um. Uh, but what Jen, what Jen has done at Spring Lounge with the with the beer program has been fantastic. It was that thing you. where we talked about years years ago. You know, Kirk, it's a, a starter beer bar kind of thing, and it's not. It's the, the the Spring Lounge is a bona fide beer bar. I mean, you know, you just said Duval, Duval, Orval, and with what you do with the twelve lines is to me it's remarkable. Thank you. I would go down to twelve lines based on what she's doing with those twelve. <laughs> lines. You know, one thing I read about you, Bobby, you were talking about being a neighborhood, local bar. Mm-hmm. It seems to me I definitely, you're, you're saying you're that, and Spring Lounge has that feeling, too. Certainly. So tell us about your like ideal local neighborhood bar. What's a pub? What's your tavern? I feel like those, those words weren't really respected. Well, to me, I always call my place a pub. Well, as, you know, as we were talking before we went on the air about where we came, where we come from, my, my, I come from a working-class town, and there are no frills bars. Everything is a bar. It's a bar bar. You come in there, you, you're, it's a community, it's a, it's, a, it's a place where you feel comfortable or you don't, and if you don't, you move on to the next thing. But it's a community location, it's everybody. I, I've got people, and part of the thing I'm doing for my 20th anniversary week is a night strictly for, I still have regulars from 20 years ago that come in there, and, and it's a night for them. Uh, you know, there are, it's, we've had 
births, deaths, weddings, divorces. I mean, it's 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 become one giant life story mm-hmm. that bar, you know, in almost a generation. And that to me is a local pub. You know, it's like the, it's modeled after the Irish. You know, the Irish local. And then Kirk, you, you, so how many bars do you have? Uh, we have seven. Seven. Yeah, seven and it, spots. W- is there one common characteristic of all of them? I mean, yeah, I would say craft beer, certainly. You know, that's one common characteristic. But outside of that is the uh, lack of pretension. I mean, just, I've always thought that people, if you're, if you're trying to sell somebody something, you know, make them comfortable first. Like, you know, have, foster environment, like Bob was saying, that is comfortable and people feel welcome. And, you know, they'll they'll try things and that's basically what we've always tried to do i always say this there was a place in san diego that i went to one time before i opened any of the spots it's called the liars club and it was this dingy pub you know situation it's not even there anymore but um they had a great draft list just an amazing draft list a lot of local san diego and other california beers and just you know that was it they were just serving it that's all they were doing they didn't make it so they weren't you know you know, being pretentious about it, like, oh, you want to try this? Try that, try that, try that. I just, you know, I get to the point where a lot of these places that you go to now, and I don't want to sound like a, you know, whatever, old guy, but it's like a beer museum. Am I there to drink or am I there Mm -hmm. to, like, you know, I I can look at a beer and be very enamored with the, you know, how it looks and, you know, all this, and but, you know, I like to drink it and, like, talk to the person that's next to me and not, like, worry about I'm checking in on some app about uh, you know what I'm drinking. So anyway, that's so what, my tell five us cents. all the bars. This all seven bars. We list them out for us. Okay, so we have Fourth Avenue Pub. These are the spots in Brooklyn. Fourth Avenue Pub. We have the Fulton Grand. We have Union Street Pub. We have the Evergreen, uh, and then the city. I have uh, Church Public, Amsterdam Ale House, and Third Avenue Ale House. He hasn't slept and in only, six years. And only <laughs> one good beer seal. <laughs> What? Among all of them. No, it wow. started. I tried to start the campaign. <laughs> I stand with Third Avenue Health. I, st- I stand oh, with the other six that. bars. How about that? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess you got the the Fourth Avenue Pub as your flagship. That is, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, everyone always asks, like, "What's your favorite?" I'm like, and that's immediately my answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one that I have, you know, certainly the most uh, personal, just you know, attachment to because it was my first place, and I just really, you know, say, "Oh, blood, sweat, and tears." But yeah, and plunging and. Painting and, and all that. Just, What's the next beer you poured? Because this is really. Oh, good this too. is we're we're going keeping with the theme. This is another one of uh, Chief Spears. This is the metric. Pilsner oh, industrial arts, industrial arts. Pills. Yeah, nice. So yeah. the cans, you know, we're. I haven't had any with Pilsners yet. It's really nice. I, I actually I have it on draft at Jimmy's number forty three, and oh. I've been drinking it straight every day the oh. last two weeks, and I'm on my third keg. So nice, excellent. And that was what I had before that's I a, came that's here. Jimmy's private line. Oh yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and it always changes. You know, for, let's talk, here's a good one. What's your private line? The thing that you're drinking right now, and do you buy what you want to drink just for yourself? Yeah, you know. that definitely has an impact. I mean, as far as uh-huh. if you go across the, you know, obviously the breadth of the of the tower or the breadth of your of your beer list, no. But there's always one or two that, that are in there that you are so happy made, like it, right made now, it down the at, ramp. At the gate. You want right to go now back at the tonight, gate. What are you going to drink? And I am going back tonight because we mm-hmm. just tapped the Grim Idaho Seven, which I'm really I'm, the, the Grim think, Double I IPA. I think we're all going to the gate tonight. Oh, yeah, for Go sure. Go back sure. to old school, 20 yeah. I was thinking the Evergreens. More often than not, I'm going back to the game. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's, you know, we're all, it's, you, you walk into your own place, even though, like, what Kirk said is, is earlier is completely true, that sometimes you walk into, walk across your own threshold, and it's not, you're not going to really sit down and relax. Mm. You're going to bust some tables. You're going to see if the bartender's okay. You're going to change a keg, you know, troubleshoot this or that. But you are going in there. Obviously, to check up on the place to make sure everybody's okay, everybody's good, but to have that that thing, that line, that you know, that that. that so what new else? Beer what else do barners do? Do you do you adjust the lights and the, the volume of music? <laughs> Definitely. I bet Kurt. How do you do it with seven places? How often do you visit each? I, one? you know, I'm very hands off. He's got the app. That. Like, He's I, got the app. Yeah, I have the. <laughs> it's a big brother. You're gonna love it. Uh, put that down. Um, no, I. I try not to be, I try to hire, or, you know, we, we all try. I mean, I have partners, you know, so we hire people that we trust, that we know are going to follow what we want them to do. And, yeah, every once in a while you walk in and, like, oh, yeah, why is the, you know, popcorn burning or whatever. But, 
at the end of the day, it's, you know, we, we, we put our trust in these folks and uh, we have to kind of give them that latitude because otherwise, you know, you sit there and micromanage, it gets, uh, gets insane. So I try not to, you know, be that crazy about it. Yeah, I'll walk in every once in a while. I go, uh, yeah, pick that up or, you know, can you do this? And, but that's not really what I, otherwise I'd lose whatever hair I have left. Let's be honest. Well, and those bars that have the owners that micromanage everything, they tend to really not hold on to staff for very long. Right. Because they don't encourage a, you know, a, a sense of ownership for the people that are really working so hard for you to sell what you're giving them. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say, like, my job is to grease the wheels. Your job is to drive the car. Yep. You know? It's your show. Like, it, it is. It's their yep. show, and they have to be happy. And so I just want to make sure that, you know, in 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 not micromanage. Yeah, if I come upstairs and the music is too loud because some of my bartenders right. are deaf from screaming at people for 20 years, <laughs> and that's understandable, I'll turn it down. But, you right. know. Um, Jenna, at, at what time does Spring Lounge open? So we open it. Uh, we open at eight a.m. and we close at four a.m. So it's like Soho, Little Italy. Yeah, we're technically Nolita. Nolita. Mm. Yeah. I knew that, but I wanted you to say. It. Yeah. So um, eight a.m. I'm in there. What would be a good first beer of the day for me? Because I might have to start drinking at eight a.m. Yeah. I don't know anymore. It's we actually we have a very the crew at eight a.m. has changed a lot over the years. Uh, when I first started at the bar, which is this year is my fourteenth year at the nice. Spring Lounge. Wow. Not to age myself, but uh, it was a lot of uh, like old school Soho Bowery artists, you know, old man types, mm-hmm. a lot of people that didn't have families, uh, very eclectic crowd. Now it's it's a lot younger crowd, uh, and I don't mean young like kids, young like our age. Mm-hmm. Even and, that early, early in the morning. Yeah, and look and, how young we are. And yeah, I mean. <laughs> And they're, but they're they're freelancers. They they they're entrepreneurs. They do their own thing. They work nights. They you know they they run their own businesses. So you know, I mean, early in the morning. Listen, I have guys who come in and by nine a.m. they're already drinking glasses of tequila. So, Um, Jen, uh, question: Do you still have uh, the early drinkers, early morning drinker society? Yeah, the early morning drinker society. So if you uh, if you come in, I believe it's fifteen times. We give you a little punch card, like your favorite little neighborhood coffee shop does. Uh, 15 times between the hour of 8 a.m. and 2 p.m., you'll get a little hole punch. And after 15 times, you're officially inducted into the Early Morning Drinker Society. You get a T-shirt, and that gives you, you know, I don't know, it's like a dollar. Do you dollar. get a sticker? You like get, a seal? It's like a, you get a Have T-shirt. You get a T-shirt that we do not sell to other people. Exclusive. It's, wow. it's an exclusive T-shirt. Although, actually, we did say if someone wanted to buy it, they could, but it would cost $100. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. There's no buying. Are there other, any other 8 a.m. bars in the neighborhood anymore? Are they used Not to be? in the neighborhood. There's one. I forget the name of it. There is one down uh, downtown, like, financial district area. Right. Uh, yeah, there's not many of them left. No, not really. We're the only ones. I mean, listen, if you can be open, why not? Just why do not? it. Right. Yeah. You know? a whole, I, I, I'm more in favor of drinking alcohol early than I am yeah. smoking weed, but <laughs> I'm in a different political persuasion these days. All right, kids, we'll be back in a short minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher. Or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member. I'm a member. There's a lot of great members, and there's member benefits. So check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. I'm really uh, happy to be here tonight with uh, some you know, prestigious and, and uh, highly regarded members of the beer bar community in New York City. That should have been my intro at the beginning. <laughs> but we got Bobby Gagnon from the gate, Kirk Struble from... <laughs> Fourth Avenue Pub and more, 
and uh, Jen Maslanga from the Spring Lounge. So, um, quick sideline. So there is a connection here. Spring Lounge and, and the Gate opened about twenty years ago. You guys have affiliations with like Blind Tiger and mm-hmm. each other, and um, you know that was a special time. And, and we all look, think so highly of Dave Broderick and Brian from Blind Tiger. What did you guys benefit from that? You know, what, what was it was almost like this little club that you guys opened up. There was a couple bars that related to each other. It's kind of a cool story. I think for for the Gate in particular, it was uh, it was. It just be it was a a, a very very strong, singular minded uh, enthusiasm for craft beer, which wasn't really here in New York at that time. So, uh, you know, we all went full steam ahead with uh, with the product, and decided that you know, wait a minute, this is this is something that you know we need to spread the word kind of thing, you know. And I think when I was here with Dave last time, we were talking about DBA at that time and. Obviously, Mugs Ale House in Brooklyn, which we would, you know, we'd constantly make runs over to, to the Brooklyn Brewery and Mugs because there were only a few places at that time. What are we drinking here? Uh, that is the beer that I brewed with Captain Lawrence. Oh, right. Uh, Your 20th month. anniversary beer, yeah? Yeah, it, essentially. It was supposed to be our 20th anniversary beer, and then we decided not to have a party, so <laughs> so it just ended up being our beer. Well, we're having one now, uh, This is a good beer to drink at 8 a.m. It's a 5.5% American Pale Ale called Coastal Elite. Um, you know, for those in the know, you it's know Captain what that Lawrence means. Captain Lawrence, Coastal Elite. Yeah. I dig uh, it. It's, uh, I wanted to do... The exact opposite of what we were talking about before, which were those unfiltered juice bombs. I wanted to do a throwback beer to like a crushable, completely crushable, tiny, yeah. just sort of resiny, easy drinking pale yeah. ale. It's great. Thank it's you. It's, it's so nice hanging out with some beer bar owners and manager Tears. types Tears. because this is the mellowest show we've had in a long time in a good way. I'm totally relaxed. Now I'm going to ask some weird questions. Okay. Uh-oh, so you guys, as you know, beer bar types. <laughs> You know, who wants to talk about pricing beer? You know, that, that seems to be... I don't think it's a big deal in New York City. I feel like that people know if they want good beer, they're getting it and they're paying for it. But let's just say, like, you know, generally how you price beer, and what do you think is a fair price for a pint, you know, and other, should other half cost more than Sierra Nevada, for example? No. Um, I will say that uh, it's one of the things I thought about for our 20th, anniversary week <laughs> is we're going to roll back prices we're going to have some fun with you know giveaways and that kind of thing but it's when we opened it was five and six dollars for a pint four at happy hour five regular price and then the next price in- increase was to six we're at, we're at six and seven now at the gate for the for the most part there's obviously the the beers that have you know the the newer breweries that have come on uh the Wave of recent wave of, of price increases that make things shorter pours, like a twelve ounce pour for eight bucks, or you know. But we're we're definitely not city priced. But I pay strict attention to the neighborhood, what the neighborhood's looking for, mm-hmm. and and order accordingly and price accordingly. And there are things that I just have to I have to lay off of because I'm not going to charge a dollar an ounce to to drink beer. Yeah. I mean, unless it's some crazy imperial style. I mean, I read, there was an article I read, Bobby, where you quoted something like that, where you said some of the breweries you work with, like a Bell's, for example, mm-hmm. want to gauge their prices based on who's sitting in your bar stool. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's Bell's, Lagunitas, you've got Sierra Nevada, you've, you've got so many of them that are, are, uh, are, their core pricing, you know, they're working hard to keep their core pricing in line with, and Larry Bell said it to me himself, it's like they're, they're thinking of the guy in the seat. When they're you know expanding and putting kegs out to the country, it's you know we don't we don't they're not capitalizing so much as they're it's like they want to they want to spread that for for them specifically they want to spread that Kalamazoo kind of feeling mm-hmm. out to the to the new markets. Um, yeah, no, I mean I agree with Bobby a hundred percent. We're a little more expensive at the Spring Lounge, mm-hmm. but that's also because our rent it's is rent. a little it's more rent. expensive. No question. <laughs> um, but I also and also what what the island of Manhattan can absorb mm-hmm. is slightly more. But I, in the sense of what I choose to pour, when when a rep comes in and they're like, no, 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 I know it's a really expensive sixtal, but you can just charge ten dollars for a ten ounce pour. 
first of all, we don't do 10 ounce pours at the Spring Lounge. My customers would not stand for it. If I handed them a wine glass of beer, they would just throw it in my face and walk out the door. <laughs> um, so we have pints and we have 16 ounce. I mean, what's we have 12 the ex- ounce. What's the expletive that they would say? <laughs> <laughs> you can say it on the Spring Lounge. There's many. Oh, wow. <laughs> don't let me go it's there. Italian, You'll right? never get me stuck. You'll never, I'll never stop. Um, anyway, my mom might listen to this. Uh, anyway, but the same, same thing. I think it's, uh, you know, you have to think of your customers and I am a firm believer in thinking of, you know, I want them to, you know, I, I want to price it at a fair price for them. I want them to be able to come out and have a few beers, not yeah. just one because one beer costs. I mean, I just can't believe sometimes when I go somewhere and I'm like, am I paying $10 for a pint of Lagunitas IPA? I know how much that keg costs. Right. You know, it's infuriating. So, so what do you charge for a pint of IPA? Um, if it's something like a Lagunitas, seven. If it's uh, something more expensive, like one of the other, like an industrial arts, I charge eight. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, because those are, you know, industrial. I just ordered actually a bunch of industrial arts, uh, their state-of-the-art IPA today. And they cost, you know. They're more, yeah. They're a lot more. Kirk? Yeah, I guess I have the luxury of, well, luxury. Kirk's true. Call it. Yeah, just... <laughs> having locations in different parts of the city so I can kind of, you know, what I'm charging for the same beer in Tribeca is going to be a little different than what I'm charging in Brooklyn at some of the other, like sure. Bushwick or whatever and, you know, what have you. So, um, yeah, but I also of the same ilk. Like, I want to, I want people to be able to experience it too and have it and not, like, price it so ridiculously high that, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to drink it. So, I, you know, we do have smaller pours on some of the other beers and, you know, yes, we have gone up to you know, $10 on some, you know, really rare things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I try to keep it all in line and uh, not not be too outlandish with stuff. So I'm also a firm believer in the pint. I mean, it's like yeah. a pint of beer. So yeah. whenever I can, it, it's there's yeah. a pint availability. Obviously, yeah. with the 9 percenters or whatever, you're not, <laughs> yeah. you're not trying to kill anyone. But right. for an IPA of Pilsner, it's, there are things that, are, yeah. that just need to be, they need to go out and yeah. pints. Yeah. I agree. And also, just to go back to what we were talking about before with the community, I actually turn a lot to... uh, So Beer Menus is a great website where you can find any beer that you are really hangering for and see where it's being poured. I'll go on there to see what are the bars around me charging for this same beer. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So at least I know that if there's a bar that I know way overcharges, I make sure to come under. But I'm like, oh, okay, so Jerry over at One Mile House is charging this much for this beer so I can you know that's what I'll charge for right. it you know I, I mean shit I sat down with Jerry one she day shit. I my did god, so oh, then, my god stop. my mother so mom? when you serve thing? the 10 ounce wine glass pour to one of yeah. your customers what are a couple expletives that they would say <laughs> they would say god damn you motherfucker <laughs> stop it mom don't listen the door slam there you go just blew the show up Jenny. just blew the show up alright now we'll, get, so we'll go on the dark side since we so Bobby and Kirk just tell us like one really bad experience has happened to you as a as a beer bar owner you know, it could I, be a little day in the, I mean, the rut like kind of thing. With a customer, or you mean just Pick like... It. Somebody just, just think about one thing that you just want to share with our listeners. I mean, I had this... Because your day sucks. You work really hard. Your job sucks. And <laughs> the day you get to take free beer. I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I mean, I had a customer, you know, not even a customer, this guy that came in that I knew was kind of going to be trouble. And the bar manager I had at the time, who happened to be a friend of mine, was like, oh, no, he's fine. I'm just going to give him a glass of water. He was, you know, kind of on. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a problem. I'm telling you. But he still went ahead and served him the glass of water and let him sit at the bar or whatever. And this guy wasn't buying anything. He was just kind of hanging out. Sure enough, when my bartender turned his back or was doing something, uh, the guy leans over to pour himself uh, a beer so I walked, I walked over. <laughs> Luckily, he was, a pla- he was using the plastic cup that my buddy had given him. So I slapped it right out of his hands. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. You know, oh, here we are again. My God, and, and Mom. Just, yeah, wow, Mom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Jen, you're in a rough Yeah, company. it was a weird, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to have to be like that. And then I got to talk to my uh, bartender and say, I told you so. I told you so. I knew it was going to happen. So, and I think anyway. that's, the, that's the thing with this business is you've got... You know, you're introducing alcohol to a uh, to an unknown audience, and mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, with a lot of us, we've been around long enough that we do know 
the bulk of our audience, but there's an unknown element at all times, and that, that's what makes the job that much more uh, vigilant. Mm. And you're going to run into situations like that where yeah. you've got somebody you have to eyeball, you have to kill it before it grows, and you know that can lead to sticky situations. Yeah. It's one of the toughest parts of the job. Oh, it's sticky. There's beer everywhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> The cleanup's terrible. <laughs> the cleanup's terrible, terrible. But I did, yeah. Right. Well, Jen, I'm really digging this Captain Lawrence beer that you made. Let's, Thank you. let's pour a little more of that. They did a really good job. I'm really happy yeah, with it's it. That's excellent. I worked really hard pouring the bucket of hops into the kettle. <laughs> can, can I can I open something I brought for you guys? Please do. As yes. a special yes, gift. Yes, please do. Now, I, I dug into my cellar at home, actually, and vintage I found beer. this vintage beer. While he's opening that beer, can I ask Kirk a question? Sure. So when... Kirk, in the in the ten years you've been here, uh, in 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 Brooklyn, I mean, apart from the other bars, but the Fourth Avenue Pub, uh, what are the differences you've noticed in your end of the neighborhood? Because Kirk and I are, are kind of catty cornered in a way, in, in opposite ends of the same neighborhood. Ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the biggest thing that happened you know, that changed. I mean, not even changed a ton because we knew it was coming, but the Barclays Center when they yeah. opened up. Um, so it definitely brought a different. Um, you know, kind of a more sportsy crowd. Depending and you have on definitely, the like, you have, you've brought in people from the Barclays Center. I mean, you definitely get that pregame post Oh, yeah. Oh, that's um, great. Um, we do a... Uh, actually, you know what? The concerts have been better for us than anything, and to I be honest with you. that's the direction the Barclays Center's going. Yeah. yeah um, which is, well, who knows how long the Islanders will be there, but... Not um, long. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that... Well, anyway, the sports crowd was kind of an interesting thing, and, you know, just to have them on. We did a uh, kind of a cross-promotion with Brewery Oma Gang and had them... Um, so we do a happy hour with them and uh, before the Islanders game. So it, it was cool to like see that crowd come in and and kind of enjoy what we've been doing. Because the bottom line is, and the same thing I think with the gate is, we're just a bar. Yep. You know, we have great beer, but we're just a bar. We're a place for uh-huh. people to hang out, and you know, we try to make it comfortable for people and and a lot of repeat guests. So that that, that has been good for us anyway. That's, that, and that's when you opened, I mean, there was nothing down there. was nothing, there. yeah. You know, it, was, yeah. it was kind of the end of the edge of, you know, Flatbush and Atlantic Avenue, yeah. and everything kind of comes together there, very sort of industrial. Well, people always say, they're like, oh, you must have seen so many changes in 10 years. And that strip, it's the same people. Yeah. Right. See every yeah. Day. <laughs> it's not changed. And you have specific standards on your block, too. Yeah, they are, yeah. yeah. Pack guys are uh, yeah, right, you know, two doors down from us. So. But yeah. I guess I was I'm about to say, wow, when you pour this beer. So what do we yeah, got so here, what do we got here Kirk? Beer, Kirk. Uh, so this is, uh, I dipped into the cellar because I knew these guys were celebrating 20 years. And so I have a, uh, on that beer. Yeah, a uh, Thomas Hardy's from 1997. So a 20-year-old beer. Amazing. Hardy's. Kirk, you are a gentleman. <laughs> I do it all I can. He knows how to celebrate. <laughs> so It's quick, like you laid down this baby when you were born. You quick know? funny story about this beer is Kirk, I didn't know Kirk was bringing this beer in, but uh, I had a 10-year-old bottle of Thomas Hardy given to me, a 97, uh, by Dave Broderick. And I had a party at the house, and I was stuck at work, and my wife called me, what do you want to do about the beer situation? I said, I just let, you know, there are beers in the fridge, just let people help themselves. And the party got a little nuts, and the cleanup at the end of the night, I came across the one-third, one-half full bottle of the 97 Hardys that somebody <laughs> pulled from the back of the fridge. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and then Kirk has returned that beer to I've, me. Fantastic. Because I was holding on. As I want to apologize. It's actually me that did that the first yeah. time. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, this, is one of the, this must be one Cheers. of the perks of the job, right, Kirk? Yeah, man. Absolutely. Because well, of the good a, stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had this for a long time. There's a, a buddy of mine actually willed this to me. Well, not willed it to me, but you know, gave it to me. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it's been sitting in the back of my closet for a while. I feel like when you're in our line of work, you inadvertently ends up aging a lot of beer. Oh, yeah. really don't mean to. I mean, I have just shelves of beer that I just, you know, when I'm home, honestly, when I'm home, I drink wine. Or I drink just like crushable cans of yeah. like Founders Some, All Day or something. Sometimes easy. space is your enemy. Like, yeah. like, wait, what have I got stuck up in that corner? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and then uh, talking about last thing. So, do any of you uh, age vintage kegs of beer? Definitely. Yes. So like what, what are some that you, uh, that we you just keep, think are age-worthy? That's a good question. Well, we just rolled we know out. that Thomas Hardy is considered... I mean, 20 years, this is drinking. It's an indestructible Amazing. beer. It's, yeah, it's an indestructible yeah. beer. Yeah. I pour this on my pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> totally. Uh, we just rolled out at the gate a 2012 uh, old curmudgeon uh, from Founders. And, you know, there's, there's definitely some things in my cellar, like a, a, a Dogfish Head Worldwide Stouts, you know, these kind of beers that are essentially indestructible. If you store uh-huh. them properly, yep. keep them at a mean temperature, they're, they're going to be fine. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I got a ton of stuff. Yeah, my I think partners, I have a... if they only knew. <laughs> what are some others that are age worthy? I've got an Avery soon, Mephistopheles in oh, my since since your lady was working with Avery. Oh, yeah. So however many years ago that was, that's yeah, how long it's been yeah. sitting in my basement. Yeah, I tapped one of those when Adam came to town, and he, yeah. We ended up doing Irish car bomb. Actually, it was Bobby oh, that, that was doing Irish car bomb. <laughs> no, I wasn't doing the Irish car bombs. I was encouraging Adam. Yeah. He shut up in my event. That's what I do. Twisted up yeah. after spending time with you. Were you doing it with, with Mephistopheles? Because that would be amazing. characters in this business. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Tell you what. So you I'm going to invite you guys back in like a month or two. Great. And we're just going to do a vintage beer show. Oh, that's great. Because right? yeah. I think for our listeners, too, it's like... You know, you, you don't really know what to put down. You don't know the condition. Maybe some, some of these beers that are meant to be 20 years, you open too soon. It's kind of like wine. So I'm, I'm really enjoying this beer. Once again, what? It's Thomas it's Hardy's. Thomas Hardy. 1997. Yeah, 1997. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, we've had so many great beers on the show. Thanks, thanks everybody. Let's go around one more time. Everyone say their full name and, and their pub. Bobby Gagnon from The Gate in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Can I just say I never knew that's how you pronounced your name? Me neither. Kirk Strubley. Now, I looked it up before Avenue the show. <laughs> Phonetically. And I'm Jen Meslanka from the Spring Lounge. Well, you guys, thanks so much for joining me. Check us out, uh, harryjoynetwork.org. Become a member. Uh, coming up, the Great Brooklyn Grill Out in downtown Brooklyn, May 27th. That's our next event. That is at cookoutnyc.com. Thanks again, Jen, Bobby, and Kirk, for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy intern Hillary Fasson and our engineer David Tadashore. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All Thanks, right. Jimmy. Woo. Thanks, Cheers. Jimmy. Salute. Cheers. Cheers. Guys. Thanks, guys. Yes. Cheers. I stand with Spring Lounge. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs>